Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of A Bit Spursy. I'm Barney. I'm Dan. We are here to talk about the Wolves game and associated news, <laughs> yeah. which there has been in the last week. There has been a lot of associated news. Yeah. Uh, I just love it. It sums up all the topics we're going to cover today. <laughs> yeah. Rather than get, you know, specific, I'd rather just keep it general. It's nice. It's nice. It means also if we forget something, we mm. haven't promised that we're going to talk about well, it. Yeah, so. exactly. Unless we don't talk about any associated news, which would be impossible. Yeah. So I you, think. you put a small amount of pressure on it, but yeah. I think it's a pressure that we can handle. Exactly. Great. Great. So how do you want to get started? Should we get stuck into the the game first? Yeah, let's get... Let's do game first, then associated news. Then associated news. Because right. I think, you know, we haven't spoken. Uh, we didn't watch this game together, so we no. haven't spoken about the game at all. No, we haven't. Um, and we weren't, when we watched the game separately, we were watching it at separate times because mm. I had a horrible time getting my Optus Sports subscription working yep. and finally got access like halfway into the, the second half. Oh, So one of the few games where we haven't even commented on yeah. anything. Nothing. Um, so I'm ready to go with some takes from with some hot takes from the game. So uh, I guess firstly, like we always do with the lineups, like how did you feel with the lineup? Like it was really the only change was Tanganga. Yeah, I was happy that Tanganga was in. I was like, oh, cool, he's getting uh, a start. Um, he is not like if it was Doherty for Aurier, I'd be like, oh no. But it was Tang, and I thought that selection was rewarded because he played pretty well. What about yeah. you? What did you think about it? I agree. It was um, it was a bit of a I, – I don't want to really say like nail in the coffin for Doggity because we don't know who's going to be um, taking us into next season yet. Mm. But it's, a, it's pretty damning on him that like even though you get the nice little thing of like, oh, it's his old team, he can come on and play against them, which I don't know why that's a nice thing and why yeah. you'd reward a player and go, you know what, we're playing your old team – Go out there and have a runabout. Mm. Enjoy your like. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but for him to not to not come in and Tankanga to come in, um, I think is good because it sort of shows that whilst we've had you know over the past few weeks we've had some different um, conversations about like yeah why doesn't Mason why doesn't um, Mason play <laughs> you know in Dombele more yeah. why is he not playing this player why is he so stuck to someone like Dyer all those sort of bits and pieces yep um, but it was really good for him then to bring on Tanganga. Mm. Um, and get him into the mix, and like we've been fans of him here on the pod for whenever he's played. Yeah, yeah, whenever he's played. Well, that's the thing with him, which is so battling, is you know for the most part when he has played, he's been good. Um, but his appearances have been so uh, sporadic that uh, he hasn't been able to. Like we can't give any kind of uh, opinion on him because you see him for one game, two games at a time, and then nothing for a month. So it's it's very difficult to sort of determine how good he is at playing uh, at right back. Yeah, I think as well he's had something like four hundred or five hundred minutes total for, across the season, mm -hmm. um, and he's capable of more. He's yeah. definitely capable yeah, of more. He is. Yeah, um, he's a lot more you know defensively sound compared to Aria and and Doherty as well. Yeah, um, and it was kind of nice to see. Yeah, I guess having a more defensive. Right back behind Bale, yeah. Um, yeah. To and like Bale, like I think you know Bale was all right. Like he got involved in a couple of nice moves, mm. um, but like he didn't have an incredible game. No. But to me, this sort of feels like the game that if Bale has that support behind him, he has this game. This is one of his kind of like nothing games, yep. which is okay. Like mm -hmm. if he's getting involved as much as he was, 
he's not getting exploited for his lack of um, defensive work when he does have someone like Tanganga behind him who's a lot more solid than totally. our other right backs. Yep, I totally agree. The only other thing that I had sort of – well, there were two things that I had of note uh, from the lineup announcement was uh, one, no Tangi and Dombley. Uh, in Dombley and Dombele, uh, which whatever was, nickname you go with, there, yeah. I'll support you. All right, great, thank you. Um, I, I'm going to go with uh, TN. Great, yeah. <laughs> uh, so no TN, uh, which was disappointing again because I just want to see him like out there. And then my second point or third point rather is that uh, Eric Dyer was somehow selected again. After last week, like it's the equivalent of me rocking up to my job uh, in the bookshop with uh, five liters of water in a container and then going, well, well, sorry, everyone, and spilling it all over like all the newest and most expensive releases that we had. And then them being like, see you tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Should we replace Barney for next shift? Like, no, 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 no. He's experienced. Yeah, he's experienced. He's He's been here before, so we'll play him again. Yeah. We'll start him again or employ him again. I don't know. I don't know. Give him another shift. Yeah, we'll give him. (laughs) That was what was needed. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I I guess, yeah, it's it's weird that, you know, Mason does seem to keep giving dire shifts. Um, And it's it's a bit baffling to me because I'm I'm a big Roden fan from what we've seen of him. Like, yeah. you know, is he the player who, you know, is like a world-class sort of centre-back that we really need to like build our defence around? Mm. No. Um, but he's also young and like he, you know, he could develop into a really, really solid centre-back. Um, so, you know, like going into next season, for example, um, we've, we've spoken at length about the need for a centre-back. We need a really a top-level centre-back if we want to keep competing. But I would love to see that centre-back be playing with Roden next to him. Um Still have Toby in the mix for a bit of that experience, and like we can still get another season out of Toby. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't understand how Joe is so far down the pecking order. And now that Mason has basically come out and said he is just down the pecking order, um, I was hoping that there was going to be something like, oh, Joe's been injured. He's, you know, oh, he's had a bit of like a, oh, a niggling calf injury that he can't quite get over. Um, but there's been nothing. It's just been, well, you know, Joe's a bit unlucky because. He's, you know, he's working really hard and he's doing a great job, but he's just not in the team at the moment. Yeah. It was baffling to me how Dyer can have such a bad game against Leeds and still retain his place in Mason's pecking order. Like that seems ridiculous. And and like you said, like he is a young centre-back. He's still learning. And like Tanganga, he's had very sporadic involvement, but dissimilar to Tanganga, he has had a couple of moments in games that, you know, he's made errors, but he hasn't been nearly as error riddled as Eric Dyer has been. He's also got more, more pace, which if we're playing Toby uh, is, is good to have the other center back being able to, you know, keep up with whoever they're playing um, forward. So yeah, I found that uh, frustrating and baffling. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And it it seems like, like I think the point you make about pace is a good, is um, it's a, it's, it's good because that's what we really are lacking. Mm. Um, like massively. And like I say, Joe is the fastest centre-back we have. He looks a lot more mobile than either of the other two. Like because Toby's so good in terms of like his technical ability as a defender and, 
you know, he's the most experienced that one by far. It's like, you know, you let him get away with being slow, kind of like Thiago Silva, <laughs> you know, that sort of, <laughs> yeah. you can be old and slow if you've still got a bit of, you know, you got a bit of nous about you. Mm. you know? um, but yeah, Joe just needs to start getting some game time. Absolutely. Um, I think we need to start, you know, believing him in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And even I think you've got to go one or two ways. Like a play like that, you just can't keep hanging on to them and then never playing them and always wondering. Um, I would much prefer us to throw him in, give him some games, uh, and then make the call if we think he can sort of keep developing um, and step up further. Because uh, at the moment, he's just not getting the chance to prove himself. Yeah. Yep. I completely agree. In In talking about the game... As a whole, you know, we won 2-0 and it probably could have been, you know, quite a bit more. We hit the post, what was it, like three times? Three times, yeah. Yep, three times. And the team played pretty well, but I'm cautious about giving out too much praise because after the Sheffield game, uh, you know, there was a lot of like, it's only Sheffield, whatever, but it did feel exciting. Like it felt like we played well and, you know, we kept hold of the ball and with this, like Wolves are obviously a better team than than Sheffield. They haven't had a good year. They were great last year. But also they didn't provide a lot of offense to which we need to uh, defend. So that sort of makes me uh, hesitant to like be like, yes, we did it. What an amazing, what an amazing victory. But uh, on a whole, I thought, I thought we did actually play pretty well. Yeah, I think we played pretty well. And I guess to me the most important thing was it was entertaining to watch. Yeah. Like it was a fun game to watch, yeah. um, which is it sounds weird saying that that's the thing that like, oh, finally it's a fun game to watch. Mm. Um, but I think it really sheds a light on the rest of the season and how it's been really unpleasant watching a lot of Spurs games um, so far yeah, in, this week, in this season. There's this division between this idea that, you know, with with certain fans calling for – uh, the team to play in an entertaining way and then other fans saying, well, we haven't we haven't achieved, you know, we haven't won a trophy in X many years and uh, so therefore we should never have sacked Mourinho because uh, he plays in an ugly way but he's a proven winner, you know, heavy quotation marks. And the thing is that those aren't mutually exclusive concepts. Like you can be both and we were both under Pochettino uh, Manchester City are both now under Pep. Like it's not, it doesn't have to be one or the other. And so to be happy about winning in a way that was exciting or entertaining to watch has sort of, I think, within the fan base become like a bit of a dirty thing that you would enjoy. But in actual fact, it's like, well, that's that's why we watch football, <laughs> you know, like because we get something out of it. So, um, yeah, I totally agree with you. I loved watching the fact that, we kept the ball and it was interesting to see us play. Oh, definitely. And I think on that point with Jose, if if we have Jose playing his way and we're at the moment, you know, second and a few points off first, we go, you know what, we can take this for a, a season or two to get a title and start building that confidence. Yeah, um, yeah. We can deal with that. Mm. But as soon as that really started dropping off um, and the results weren't changing and then we were playing against, you know, teams much lower down the table than we were and we weren't really you know, playing openly or anything yeah. against them, that's where it became like, okay, this is now like nails on a chalkboard. Totally. Um, and it's just not, <laughs> there's just nothing that you can take away from it. Mm. So I think long-term, like all Spurs fans, like, you know, we want the team to play well in, in the way that we want, we want to enjoy watching them because, you know, we follow the team because it's enjoyable. Mm. Um, so we want to enjoy watching the games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, 
uh, like you say, like, you know, Wolves were far from their best. Mm. Um, they look like a shadow of the team that they were, you know, a sort of season or two ago. Um, whereas, yeah, now, like, especially now the injuries that they've got too. Like, um, there was no Pedro Neto, there was no Raul Jimenez, uh, and no Podence either. Um, so really they're only, like, Fabio Silva, um, young player. He could, he looks like, you know, he's got enough movement about him that, like, if he sort of, you know, develops his technical side a little bit, becomes a little bit more savvy with how he plays, um, there could be a player in there. Mm. But he's not a threat to any Premier League level team no. at the moment. Um, and, like, Adama Traore is such a unique player in that he's so quick and strong and like he a couple of times in that game he just blew through our midfield yeah like there was nothing there but then you see that his real weakness is the end product Mm. um and his passing and shooting um it's kind of like if you have a if you're just trying to contain Adama Traore even though you know he's going to get past you it's probably not too worrying totally yeah because you're like well the chance of this uh you know end product or the, the ball from him being a a good cross be a good pass or see a, an accurate shot are pretty low. So, yeah. yeah, cool. He's got the ball and he's like, you know, uh, absolutely stormed through our team. But what's he going to do at the end? Yeah. He kind of reminds me of like a 14-year-old playing FIFA. Yeah. And they just got the fast player and they just hold down sprint. Yeah. And they're just like the directions, it just doesn't really matter. They're just so quick. They're just like, you know, moving little like thumbs thumb stick around and it's like oh we get through oh, and then just like yeah not, never scoring at the end yeah not try and pass it it doesn't really go anywhere mm. um he, he's like he's yeah he's a strange player like in that sense that you know sometimes yeah you get you just get that feeling like oh he looks really dangerous but then you remember he's like ah but he's um there's that side definitely lacking to his game because if he had that side to his game i mean he's playing for man city he's playing for barcelona mm. barcelona wouldn't have let him go Absolutely. Well, that's the interesting thing. You know, last season he was a bit of a sensation because he is a unique player and he has such great uh, ability um, in certain areas of the game. But, you know, post-season we didn't really see a lot of rumours linking him to anyone else. And so I wonder whether if it came out tomorrow that Spurs were interested in signing uh, Traore, how would you feel? Um, To me it would depend on what the – what role we're signing him in. Okay. If we were to sign him and say, okay, we're going to start playing Traore in our starting team, mm. my initial thought would be like, that's not signing that's really going to help. Yeah. But if uh, we signed Traore and he was sort of, you know, on the bench as an option, mm. um, then I think it's like depending on who the manager is, like you can use him in a way that can start to worry other teams. Yeah. Like if you've got a fullback that's already been pressed by someone all game, and then for the last 20 minutes, they've got to come up against Adama who's coming on. I mean, that now that is scary because mm. if you're late in a game, you know, plays are starting to get a little bit sloppier. Maybe his like lack of technical ability doesn't matter so much because, you know, the game might be a little bit more open. Um, and and then I, I'm like, well, you know, he's a handy player to have. Yeah. To put it like that, if we were playing FIFA right now mm. and I could have him on my bench, I'd have him on the bench. Yep. And then bring him on late in the game if needed mm-hmm. to sort of mix something else up. Yep, totally. I agree with you. Absolutely. Um, we haven't mentioned, we've been talking about Traore um, and, you know, the overall result, but there was one player on Wolves that 
won the man of the match uh, for Sky uh, and that player is Connor Cody. You know, what a game. You know, a game play, for the ages. Game for the ages to play at centre-back, uh, let in two goals with three balls hitting the post. Just phenomenal. And, you know, his tackle on or his attempted tackle on Kane when Kane uh, absolutely smashed it <laughs> into the goals for our first I mean, he was just so close. To, well, to- it was class from Cody there because he's he's gone like he's appreciated Kane's quality mm. and he's just sat down. He, yeah. And he's <laughs> yeah. just sat down. He's gone, you know, Harry, you go on. Yeah. Yeah. He's shown great reverence. Yeah. Which, you know, we've got to, you've got to respect. I, it, I, it's like at the end of a movie where like the sidekick is like, I know I'm going to die. You need to go on and finish the job. Yeah. And I felt that's what like Cody kind of did to Kane then. Mm. He was like, you've. You, you take this and you go and score, Harry. <laughs> you go and do this. Yeah. To me, it, uh, similar on the movie theme, it's like when you see like a really good film and then the credits start rolling. Uh, like, you know, uh, in No Country for Old Men, how it ends so suddenly and the credits start rolling and then you kind of sit there for a bit in the theatre being like, oh, whoa, what a movie. That was incredible. That's what Co- <laughs> Cody was like, oh, oh, whoa. <laughs> Wow, great, great move. Um, I cannot believe – I want to keep on talking about the game, but I feel like we can't talk about the game without addressing that uh, – was it – Neville said that uh, – Gary Neville. Gary Neville yeah. said that um, Connor Cody was the man of the match during this game, which is baffling. Yeah. I think I've never heard of a situation where – a losing player has lost in like a 2-0 game mm. um, and they've been a defender who directly got sat down for one of the goals. Yeah. Like Kane like sat him down on mm. his little bottom. Yeah. Like it's not it, – it, it wasn't like he put in a good tackle. It's like he just got Kane and Kane's not that quick. Mm. Um, he's quick enough but like he's – Kane's just – Kane is a savvy player. Um, but just like – I've never, ever seen this ever in terms of that. Like you'll see maybe occasionally if a team wins 1-0, but then the opposing keeper made like 50 saves. Yeah. And then they go, you know what? Boaz Myhill for Hull City. Mm. That's the game I think we played them, but we didn't (laughs) win that game. Yeah. Um, Just had like, you know, an absolute worldie of a game Mm. where they made like legitimately 15 saves. Yeah. And you go, okay, cool. Maybe that's man of the match Mm -hmm. performance. Like. Connor Cody, I think he made like a pretty high number of clearances. Yeah. But I mean, if that's the only metric that it takes you to get mad of the match now um, from Sky Sports against Spurs, yeah. like it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's moronic. Like I think in, in the game that we played Newcastle this year where they equalized late, is it Tim? Is still Tim Krul in their goal? I don't want to get this wrong. It could be. Whoever their I goal is. So. Yeah. He got mad of the match and it was like, well, yeah, he played like the greatest game of his career. Like, Fair enough, but in the, yeah, in this game, it's like what, what, especially when you've got someone on the op, uh, the opposing team in um, Hoybier who got an assist and scored, and was pretty good for the whole game. It's like well, obviously, like he should be man of the match. Like or you know, Delhi was great in this game. There's so many Spurs players that had decent performances. Um, yeah, Kane also scored, hit the post twice, mm. um, got things going. Like, you know, like say Delhi, Lo Celso, um, pretty much any of our players yeah. you could name, maybe apart from like Son, 
another yeah. quiet one. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like, it's that's why I think it is so baffling because it's like it's not just a resilient performance. Um, no, from Cody leading Wolves to a draw mm. against the odds. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I haven't seen. Have you watched the clip? Because I just. Saw the headline, felt outraged, and and then didn't, and they didn't actually watch it. But I assume that it has to do with the fact that he cleared two balls off the line, one of which, having just watched the footage of that, it just like it just hits him in the knee, like he's not anticipating that ball and then trying to clear it. Um, but I assume that's why uh, he was given man of the match. Still, no, like. Vertonghen's cleared balls off off the line for us before. Toby's done the same thing. Kane's done the same thing. Like, it's it's great, but there's also a player in the other team that has an assist and a goal. Like, yeah, I, yeah, uh, and and as well, like, I think you can look at that and go, you know what, Cody had a decent game in a relatively poor Wolves side. Yep, he had a decent game. Cool. Mm. All right. You know, if you were a Wolves fan and you were doing like a bit Wolvesy medal, like yeah. we do like the Bruce mm. medal, um, you know, you might go, all right, you know, Cody was decent for us. Mm. We'll give him some points. Mm. Um, but on the whole scheme of the game, if you're an unbiased commentator or pundit, yeah. there's no yeah. way you can go man of the match, Connor Cody. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like Spurs fans, we get uh, very up in arms about uh, – Sky Sports's um, representation of Tottenham and their bias uh, against Tottenham, and you sort of you feel it, but you're also like, I don't know how. Uh, obviously, with all the Kane stuff, which we'll go into, but like, uh, I don't want to voice this too loudly because it it could just sound like I'm just you know wearing my tinfoil hat. But with this, I've noticed with, you have put your tinfoil hat. I, on. My it's- hat is on, and I've clasped it uh, with a little strap. Um, this was so obvious that it was how you have avoided choosing a Tottenham player to make your man of the match. Like this is beyond, uh, you know, any kind of conspiracy about the anti-Spurs agenda. This was ridiculous. Oh, definitely. And like, I, I believe in this, like, you know, this sort of bias against Spurs, Mm. um, not to the extent of whenever anything happens, it's like, oh, we're by, oh, they're biased against Spurs against us. But there is like a longstanding you know, um, show of different incidents where there is that bias happening against Spurs. Um, and I really think that it's kind of – like it could have come from a long time ago, but I really think it's also become from like when the top four sort of got expanded to the top six. Um, and then there was just that feeling of like, you know, Spurs don't belong in there, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're, I don't know, like an ex-player of Man United, uh, maybe one of their right backs who was a captain for a while at, at the club. Someone like that <laughs> might get a bit protective of that. It's like, it's like, yeah, this other team, they don't, they don't belong in this elite club that we belong in. Yeah. Um, and then you could say, yeah, okay, fine. Like, you know, Spurs haven't won anything recently, mm. so they don't deserve to be in that whatever. But if you're talking about footballing merit and that, like, sure, that conversation is separate. Mm. Um, but I do think there is this thing where, yeah, like there's this, the people want Spurs to fail. Yeah. Um, people don't want Spurs to come up, win, um, and, you know, get a trophy, get a cup, get a title, something like that. But when Leicester do it, it's a magical fairy tale. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, Leicester, they've won the um, won the FA Cup and like, oh, what a magical result for mm. them. Mm-hmm. Whereas even against City in the League Cup, the whole storyline is like Spurs bottled the game. Yeah. 
Spurs bottled it once more. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a pack of bottlers. Yeah. It was not Spurs played one of the best squads in the world yeah. by a long margin. Mm. Um, like it's always that we bottle everything mm. and like the, we got it, we bottled the league against Leicester even though we never were winning. Yeah. I think we bottled it the next season. Yeah. We bottled Champions League against like Liverpool and it's like, there just has to be a point where it's like just because Spurs don't win something, the default can't be to say that Spurs bottled it. Yeah. Because I've never heard that spoken about of any other team. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because the idea of Spurs, it's this weird sort of irony or, or paradox by implying that in the situations where Spurs have an opportunity to win, be it the league or the Champions League or the League Cup, and they are bottling it, which I agree with you, <laughs> comes up. Constantly, Spurs are always bottling their result. What you're saying is actually that Spurs were in the hot, the driver's seat to win this and should have won this, but they didn't. But you wouldn't, I would assume, get any of those pundits to also uh, state that that was the case. Like in you know uh, the we were the underdogs against Liverpool. We were definitely the underdogs against City. We were never in front in the Leicester season and in the Chelsea season, we never were either. So it's not as if we were up. Like if we were up by 20 points in the league and we blew it, that would be bottling it. But in any of those situations, that just doesn't hold true. Um, And even earlier in this season when we were top mm. last year, we were top too early for (laughs) us to bottle it. Yeah, exactly. Like we (laughs) we were up when, you know, the weirdest season that's at, well, I mean, the season before also weird as well, but mm. the weirdest season that like we can remember mm. of having no fans, like disjointed football, a really compressed schedule, all this sort of stuff. And it's like, we, yeah, we managed to get top of the league, um, but it was way too early for us to really be in a drive, driving seat. Um, yeah. And like, there were so many people at the time, like, oh, Spurs are not going to win. Spurs could, oh, Spurs. Oh, look how Spurs got. Like, it was just too early for any of those conversations because mm. um, you always need to get into the second half. And I, I think, like, deep into the second half of the season to really see who's the best team over that extended period because Absolutely. by that time, like, you know, squad rotation, injuries, um, consistency is really has come out at that stage if, if teams can do it. Um, so, again, <laughs> I don't think we've bottled this league. Um, but again, that's the the detractors are always we bottled everything. We bottled with Pochettino. We bottled it with Mourinho, mm. um, and it's the narrative that comes up with every aspect of the club. We're just always talked about as, and this is also from our own fans have bought into this absolutely. Where they call the team bottle jobs. Yeah, they're like, oh, we bottled it again. We bottled it. Oh, we didn't back this manager, this manager, this manager, this manager. Oh, we've bottled it. Oh, Daniel Levy's bottled it with this. It's <laughs> like. A bit over all this bottling like, yeah. talk, and it's like it's so easy for us to sit as fans and go, "Oh, the problem is the mentality of the players, the board, mm. the club, the everything." But it's like, what is our mentality as fans? Like we're playing right into this, yeah. By you know, it's it's easy to sort of like stand off on the sideline and go, "Like, oh, look how badly the, oh the, that person is bottling it, they're bottling it," as opposed to like actually getting behind the, the team, the mm. club, the support, and everything like that, and fighting against that narrative together mm. yeah well i mean i uh putting my psychology hat on for a second the, Take I- the tinfoil one up. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay and i'm just putting my my extra big tinfoil one on <laughs> for psychology the concept of of team mentality that transcends teams because you know a team you know at tottenham 
the same team, apart from when we didn't make any transfers, often doesn't last year to year because there are we sell players, we buy players. Mm. And the idea that there is this imagined, no, I wouldn't say imagined, there is this uh, force that floats around the club that has followed the club from the old training center now <laughs> to Enfield and has moved from White Hart Lane where we had one stuff uh, into the new stadium and is uh, affecting the players psychologically because we have a weak mentality that transcends uh, all players. And, you know, like that is, that is like magic talk. That's like witchcraft, <laughs> witchcraft yeah. talk. If it's you, like as if there's like the ghost of Arsene Wenger just like yeah. walking the halls. I mean, Arsene Wenger's not dead, so I don't know. But <laughs> he is a bit of a ghost. So. He's, a bit like of a he's ghost. got a ghost kind of vibe to him. And it's like there is some force there that, you know, that is like, it, it, which is ridiculous. Yeah. And I've made a few, uh, I've tried to keep them limited, but I've made a couple of uh, AFL analogies, which I will make one here. So uh, Tottenham, like you said, are... Uh, uh, sort of breaching this traditional top four where most of the pundits come from the clubs that are within that that top four. Um, the same here in the AFL. West Coast joined the AFL in 1989 after the VFL. West Coast are now the biggest club in the AFL and they are very successful. But the way that they are reported about in the Victorian media where the, sort of the main um, football you know, sort of hub is, well, it's where the AFL is based, is that they are, they either are, same thing, bottlers, they are, are flat track bullies that can only beat the the bad teams and they can't beat the big, and it's like uh, been the case the whole time I followed them. And what's interesting is the, the discourse around them in the media is similar to that of Tottenham, but West Coast have won the second most premierships in the AFL. And so... It's not necessarily actually about on-field uh, performance, although that you know uh, falls into it. But West Coast get that kind of reputation because they're a threat. Because they're a threat to these old, big Victorian clubs, and they are taking up space that these clubs used to uh, reside in, you know, happily. Um, and so I find, like, as a Leicester fan, I would find it. I mean, it's not you know, it's nice when when people on television say that your team's win is a fairy tale, but actually, it's actually quite patronising because what they're doing is uh, they're basically saying they're not a threat. It's okay if they win this year. It's okay if they win that cup because they are not big enough as a club. They might very well be eventually Leicester are run extremely well, um, but they're not a threat to us, so it's it's fine that they won that. I will give that one to them, you know, whatever. Uh, we'll give the runs of the litter, the, the leg of the lamb, <laughs> you know, like whether with Spurs, you know, it's like they are a threat, so we need to defend our uh, space against them. Yeah. I, on the Leicester point, I definitely agree with the patronising element mm. because even Spurs fans now, when we're talking about how we've performed and how we've done off the field and with transfers and all that sort of stuff, Leicester are always brought up as the example. Mm. Um, and it is to me again. In it's it's not. I don't think people are bringing it up in a patronizing sense purposefully, but it is because it's just like, well, a team like Leicester can even like look what they've done with their recruitment. So it's absolutely abysmal mm. that we are not doing the same thing. Mm. Whereas I think you need to look at it and go like, let's applaud Leicester yeah. for having done such a good job with their recruitment, and it shouldn't be 
if you give them if you give them this sort of small club mentality and look down upon them, then that's where you're like, well, we should be able to, you know, do that and do it better because we're like a bigger team, like all that sort of yeah. stuff. Whereas it's just like they've done a remarkable job. They've done well with that. Like Brendan Rodgers really settled down there and, um, you know, he's, he's, he's doing great work there. So it's like we need to commend a team like that instead of, again, looking for like, well, this other team has had success. How can we then use that to show how poorly we've done and then at the same time take down that other team um, as not being that good? Yeah, it's just uh, – it's funny because at the same time there's these two um, juxtaposed ideas where one is – Leicester will run really well. Look how poorly we're run because we haven't done what they've done. But at the same time, it's like, but they're a small club and it won't last and it's luck. And it's like, well, no, you can't have both, right? Like you can have that they have a great process. They've got great systems and there is luck involved because there always is in football. But uh, yeah, it's it's – it's it's similar behavior. It's it's similar as like pulling the ladder up after us. Like we're in the we're in the big six now. It's no longer the big four, and no one else can be in it. But they have done a great job, and a more progressive mindset of being like, okay, they've done a great job with not very much money. How can we replicate that and make it better? Considering our revenues are a bit higher, like that should be uh, what I would hope the hierarchy at Tottenham do. But see, even in the way you phrased it, you phrased it in a positive spin. You haven't phrased it like, if Leicester can do it, then we should be able to easily. Mm. You were like, they've done really well. How can we replicate that and, and try and do it better? So it's a, even if it's a, it's a very you know, slight difference between how it's spoken about, the way you've said it is a lot more of a positive mindset about it. It's not you know, dragging things down into the dirt yeah. um, and just trying to like oversimplify things in a negative manner. Mm. Um, and I think that's also what it all comes down to. Like, you know, I guess as humans, we're trying to make make sense of a pattern in something. Yeah. And it's easier for us to understand one small term or concept. So, for example, Spurs bottlers. Oh, yep. Understand that. That's yeah. all good. That explains everything. Mm. Lester fairy tale. Oh, yep. Understand that. <laughs> that yeah. explains everything. Um, and it's like these things are just so much more complex than that. Totally. I mean, there's this, you know, very famous psychological concept called cognitive dissonance, which, uh, you know, I, I'm sure is pretty common knowledge, but the idea that holding two opposing ideas in your head at the same time is uncomfortable and uh, is almost to the point of like uh, like physical pain where you're like, oh, I, I don't, I, I can't have these two opposing ideas in my head when I, I need to stick to one of them. Um and so it is, it's easy. We can eliminate that by just being like, this is right, this is wrong. When, you know, what is the case with pretty much, I would say, every outcome in, uh, in the Premier League is that it's made up of such a multitude of factors um, that it's impossible to just, you know, reduce it down to one or two things like Spurs or Bottlers. Like it's like, well, if, if we had the same money as Man City... And we were set. We're in the position we're in now, and we recruited like Man City. I would maybe be more uh, open to the idea of us being bottlers, <laughs> but like I'm, I'm not at the moment. I think that's that's ridiculous. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and, and I think this kind of leads into something, and like we will get back to the Leeds game <laughs> eventually. But this, to me, also leads into a lot of the mentality towards Daniel Levy, mm. where it's easy to just go, 
he is evil man, yeah. he is all problems, mm. go bye-bye, problem mm. solved. Yeah. Um, not the case. <laughs> it's just no. not the case. It's simply not the case at all. No. And it, But it seems like it's such an easy thing to blame it on one thing because then it's like, oh, okay, well, if we change this one thing, everything is magically fixed. Mm. Um, and it's just, again, it's not the case. No. Um, we, you know, we're also fans of one club. Like yeah. we don't follow the ins and outs of every other club. So we're not sitting there on, you know, listening um, to like Man U podcasts every week or like getting involved in all their stuff. We're not there listening to Newcastle podcasts and like um, not that podcasts are the beacon of truth yeah. <laughs> in, in, in this world and all news, but, yeah. you know, we're not seeing like all the opinions that other fans have. We just look and we'd see just the positive things that happen on the other side. Yeah. So, you know, there might be some frustration about some things that Leicester do from Leicester fans. We don't know about that. Mm. But we just very easily blow out all our things um, for our own club and go, yep, here's the problem. This, you know, big man has to go, done, everything's solved. Um, And it's it's just not the case. Like there's so many issues that, you know, we could address as a club and, we should start making some movement on them. Mm. Um, but every club has these things. Like yeah. even the ones that are still being more successful, like every club has, you know, has issues. Mm. Like you look at even clubs like Real Madrid, Barcelona, like clubs in huge amounts of debt. Like, yeah. you know, there's, um, if you had like Man City, Chelsea, and I know it's something we talk about all the time that they just like become like just sinkholes for money to go into. But if you didn't have these billionaires throwing their money away, those teams, if they had done the same spending that they've done, would be in massive debt. Yeah. Like billions of pounds of debt. Yep. So, yeah. I, I think it's just kind of like, you know, in the whole scheme of things, um, you know, it's not so easy to just describe every single occurrence under one term. Yeah, totally. I mean, like just going off other teams' problems, like Tim, who is a Chelsea fan that's been on the pod before, talks a lot about his frustrations with the fact that Chelsea just cycle through managers every, you know, 12 to 18 months. There's always a new manager coming in because they've got to perform immediately. And then there was this idea with Frank that Frank Lampard, that he was going to be a more long-term project, but then it started going downhill for him and they kicked him out straight away. And it looked more like he was a scapegoat rather than a permanent fixture. So, you know, there are other, there are, there are other problems that we don't have that other clubs have, uh, just like there are problems that we have that other clubs don't have. Um, uh, One of the things that, you know, I know there was a protest this week and we're in Australia, we're quite far away from being able to be involved in that. Um, But listening to um, the extra inch Barty, who's on there, talked a lot about how he felt that it was a little bit rudderless and that there was... Lots of people protesting, but protesting, you know, people protesting Daniel Levy, but at the same time, uh, or protesting the uh, the ESL, but then wanting us to spend more money, but then wanting them to sell, but then wanting us to be uh, a um, more, uh, a bigger financial force, but then wanting us to be owned by the fans. And like, it's just all like, ideally the fans own the club. We have huge amounts of money. We go out and sign players that have an instant impact. We have a manager that everyone loves. We play attractive football. Like that's the ideal. And we, we win the league. We win the Champions League. But that unfortunately is a fantasy versus, you know, any kind of reality. And if 
Levy, I think we've said this before on the pod, but if Levy sells, who buys it? Like who's going to come in and buy it? Um, you know, we might get a, a Russian billionaire who can't return to Russia because <laughs> he'll get put in prison, who's happy to just sink money and no longer can come to England either. We'll just sink money into the club. Um, or we might get someone like uh, Mike Ashley at Newcastle. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. So we could get a sovereign state. Somewhere. We could get a sovereign state who tortures people. Who tortures like, people and uses our club as a PR campaign to yeah. make themselves look better. Exactly. There's it's just so open <laughs> with where that could be. Um you know, and I agree on those points. Like I also think like, you know, again, there's some romantic idea of like fans owning the club. Mm. But when you actually put it down, it's like, well, who's still gonna be heading that? Yeah. Um, who's gonna be making all these choices? Cause also from where we're sitting now, like I am happy that we haven't invested so that we have invested in, um, you know, a world-class training ground. Um, Cause I think that is going to start showing the, you know, the fruits of that are going to start coming through mm. as our, as our youth development system starts getting better. Yeah. Well, th- th- that's the other thing about this development with the, um, the training ground and the stadium is that, I've seen a lot of stuff on the internet like uh, talking about how Levy's only done those things because it increases the value of the club and makes uh, the profit that uh, he and um, the rest of Enoch make uh, greater and that's why he's doing those things. Sure, if that's the case and that's the only reason why he's doing it, what he's also done is given us a world-class trading centre to which we are able to develop uh, talent that is better than we have before. And now we have a huge stadium with world-class facilities. Like that's the, that if that's the, uh, that's the secondary action from those things or the secondary result, I'm, I don't care. <laughs> Definitely. And yeah. it, look, and it's all built around long, t- long-term sustainability. So even if you do criticize and go, Oh, it's only to make the club more valuable. It's like, well, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Because then long term, it's a more valuable club that can mm. start looking after itself um, and not just needing people to put in money and then have a huge collapse like Leeds. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of other teams that have done that. Mm. Um, it's like, that's why it's a, you know, it's sort of a positive scenario in that regard. Mm. Like, if we, a, a common thing that gets put up is like, we didn't buy players for this long, this long, this long, this long. It's like, mm. yeah, but we knew that we were building a new stadium. We knew that this was a long-term mm. thing. And like Levy has always said it's a long, like the, the the goal here is to create a long-term self-sustainable club. Um, I also think it's like, you know, f- fans say, still say we're not spending, but like we have spent, we have bought like in Dombele, we have bought La Celso, um, you know, a bunch of other pl- like players too. Just because like they haven't worked out as some fans would like and also there's a whole bunch of other things going on. It suddenly it doesn't mean that suddenly we haven't been spending. We've also then brought those players in, and it's been a time now where we've had COVID. We've lost hundreds of millions last year, so you can't look at it now and go, "Oh, well, the stadium technically has been built for you know and open for like eighteen months, mm. so or two years, whatever it is." Um, but we when it's we haven't bought in Ronaldo, yeah. So what's going on there? Mm. It's like okay, we need to get people, you know, fans back in the stadium, get things going again. If we then have that happening for like a consistent season or two and then there's no investment, that to me is when the promise has been broken. Yeah. Because the promise was always made around we need a bigger stadium to be able to compete with these teams. Yeah. 
Um, we need that. That is what is going to help us actually compete with these teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think until we get to that stage, like this is all, all the conversation about ESL aside from this because mm. I know a lot of people feel aggrieved about that. Yeah. Um, but until we get to that stage, to me, I don't think the Tottenham project has been a lie. No. Um, it hasn't been like a failure in that sense. No, no, not at all. And like if you consider when we signed Eric Lamella in 2013, who was our record signing at the time for 30 million pounds, we then signed Endombele or TN as my new nickname for it in 2019 and his value I think was 63 million pounds or thereabouts. So our record signing between 19 and 36 years doubled. It doubled. Like it's not as if we were, we're still spending 30 million on players that now their worth has dropped dramatically. Like they are spending and I'm not trying to, I'm not Daniel Levy's biggest fan or anything like that, but it's also important to just like take a step back and have a more rational view over what has been going on. Uh, you know, and second to that is uh, Everton who have always sort of, you know, been considered until more recently as sort of the level club with Spurs. You know, we are the second club in our particular area Um we don't have as much money as that other club. We don't, you know, like we don't spend like they do. They have, st- they still have the same stadium that they haven't upgraded. They've talked about upgrading it. it. hasn't happened. They, if you look, it's like bubbling away and I wonder whether it's, or, or bubbling or the bubble is expanding and I wonder whether it will burst because most clubs in terms of spend and income have a, a very set mark as to what is sustainable going forward. Um, and whether that's income from a billionaire or income from match day revenue or whatever, Everton's is a lot uh, larger or short. I'm not sure. <laughs> but basically they could be in trouble. And because of all the COVID stuff and because of everything else, it's kind of been forgotten. But they are spending in a way that is not sustainable at the moment. And they are becoming more and more reliant on their owners to inject more money in. And they might do that and they'll be fine. But also if those owners bail, Everton could be in a huge amount of trouble. And I would much rather, using the comparison of Everton and Spurs, be where we are with our ownership than be in that position with theirs. Definitely. I agree with that. It's a good point. Like Everton have spent a lot Mm. on transfers. They spent a lot. Yep. Um, And yeah, they really need, you know, they need to get out of this. Like we're not the only club who's in a situation where we haven't been able to do the ideal thing that we would have wanted. Mm. But like you say, it's like, you know, where have we spent our money, right? Has it been on some players who might, you know, we spend an extra 50 mil um, one year when we have, uh, when we're competing against Chelsea or Leicester. It's like, might we have gotten the title? Yeah, we might have gotten the title. Yep. But if that's at the cost of not going ahead with the stadium development, that becomes the big toss-up mm. of like, what do you actually want here? And it's like, I don't plan on following Spurs for another two years and then leaving and then finding another team. Like, I'm in for the long haul, baby. Yeah. So <laughs> strap me in. Strap me in. So I has I have faith in this overall project. And it's like everywhere else in life, like we look at spending in the sense of like, if you can spend something and buy something which retains value, that is a good purchase to make. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whenever people like they're all saying like buy real estate, buy real estate, get on the property ladder, get on the property ladder. It doesn't lose value, you know, overall. Um, 
do that, retains value, keeps going. You're like, yeah, cool, great. But then when you're like football club does the same thing, suddenly it's like, no, that's bad. Mm. We wish that we, you know, to use the house analogy, we wish that we lived in a $5,000 a week penthouse and had a really amazing time for one year mm. and then that's it. Yeah. Yep. Um, at the same time with that, if you are a fan who just wants that, mm. I can't, I'm not going to tell you to change your view. Um, I'm not going to say, oh, you know, that is an incorrect opinion to have. But I think just being in line with what, you know, the what again, what Daniel Levy and the, the owners have said of their goal for the club is to make it a long-term sustainable thing. It's buying the house. Mm. It's then realizing, you know, that something is going to come from that down the line. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think, look, I, I know we've, we've spoken at length about ESL before. If you're someone who's just annoyed about the club lying about the ESL, I totally get that. I get as that. Well. 100%. Yeah. Totally get that. At the same time, I also think the club's in an interesting position there because obviously all ESL talk is under wraps. And if the ESL did go ahead and you are the one club out of that, like like Tottenham was, was someone's plus one at going to that house party. Definitely. Like yeah. we, it was not our house party. No. We were not one of the cool kids there. Mm-mm. It was just someone going like, well, the party's going to be a bit crap if we don't have like a few extra people there. So uh, I reckon Tottenham would be in. Yeah. Let's, yeah, I'll pick them up on the way. And you're like, yeah, thanks, Liverpool. Yeah, well, yeah. And then everyone else was like, no, but they're so annoying. Yeah. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll just have them here for numbers. And like, if we want them to leave, we'll just say that uh, there is, uh, yeah, uh is just like down the <laughs> down yeah. the way and, and then they'll run down there and we'll lock the door or whatever. And ship it off. So yeah. like, I guess what I mean is like, I understand that if you look at that from a purely financial perspective, how you can get caught up in that and lose track of the overall picture of everything. Mm. So- I guess what I mean is like, yeah, that wasn't a good thing that ESL like, you know, at all. But also I don't think the issue was just like, say, Daniel Levy wanting to get Tottenham into that conversation Mm. that like all the cool kids were having. I think the issue is the whole system, which is broken and is is a complete mess. And it's like I would much prefer like our efforts are actually targeted to that because now it's like, you know, you wait for a – they're just like scot-free and their new Champions League is – rubbish yeah and it's all driven on the same stuff exactly so it's like as fans i would much prefer us to address the game overall mm. rather than just go like okay well the chairman for, for our particular club um lied because again this is not like defending levy like he's like some untouchable person it's not even remotely trying to say that but it's like there have been times in all of our lives where we've lied about something to get something or not be left out or mm. you know to be included yeah. Um, so again, this is not saying that he sh- that like that he should have done it or anything like that. But I think more just like I feel like if we step back from it a bit and we view, okay, how did this actually happen? Um, and try and look at it from a neutral sort of perspective, we can say, okay, cool. Maybe the problem isn't just this one person here. It runs up the chain a lot higher than just the chairman of a singular club. Exactly. Our tin foil hats are on. <laughs> but no, I totally agree with you. That's exactly it. The I, folk- I slipped my tin foil hat on when you weren't looking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I mean, that summarizes it, in my opinion, you know, like perfectly. That we don't need to just be attacking this this one dude who sure, like in an ideal world, the fans are consulted and they should have been consulted. The whole thing's cooked, but that's more a result of the system than the uh, the particular um, methodology of, of one man who is the chairman of the club. 
I would have loved it. Uh, if I could see an alternate reality where Spurs doesn't get that plus one into the uh, ESL, the club hilariously, like the, they would have wanted to be part of it. If the other clubs were like, piss off, <laughs> they would have been like, we condemn this horrible <laughs> super league. And we believe the fact like that would have been, it would, the statement would have been like, we tried to get in, but we couldn't. And that, oh, that really stinks. So we're annoyed about yeah, it. We like, weren't cool enough. And the bouncer didn't let us in on the door. Exactly. It Is would, that, uh, I don't see a Tottenham on the list here. Yeah. Yeah. It would be about how bouncers are um, a ridiculous concept that only choose people that uh, have aesthetically pleasing looks, you know, like whatever they would totally. have taken that side. And then, our position as fans would have been like, good on you, Tottenham. It's like, no, it wasn't in our, wasn't our choice. Definitely. Um, yeah. I think just overall on that, on that whole thing, it's like, there's just so much money involved in the game all over the place. So it's like, it's just like, you know, it would be a nightmare, I think, to be chairmen of these teams, yeah. um, of any, of any teams now, mm. even like smaller teams in the Premier League, uh, teams that have just come up from relegation, like you have to be so concerned about the bottom line now just because of how much money there is. Mm. Um, and the whole idea that, you know, a lot of teams that go up in the Premier League, yeah, they get this big cash injection, but then if they go straight back down, that causes a lot of issues for them as well. Even though there's some, you know, parachute payments, it doesn't really fix anything. No. Um, there's It's just such a game that's driven by money and, you know, there's unless there's an overall change that comes to it, um, <laughs> we don't really see it, you know, Changing owners, changing chairman is not going to sort of fix that. Yeah. Um, I think just one other thing I want to mention about this before we get back onto the <laughs> yeah. game um, was we put our tweet out, um, I think, on the weekend, which was about, you know, our other view of this of like, you know, we are always wanting to spend more, spend more, spend more and do all this um, and effectively put more distance between us and the clubs below us. Um, but then as fans, we're also so disgusted by the thought of the ESL. And it's like, if we, if we had spent an extra couple of hundred million and been pushed up to where the other teams were, we would have created more of a golf. It's effectively an ESL. <laughs> like yeah. it's putting us back into that same scenario, but the ESL is just like, it's more like the ESL is just that like asshole guy, but he's an honest asshole. So <laughs> people are like, well, at least he's honest. Mm. Um, again, I'm not saying an, an honest asshole guy is a good thing, but what I mean is that like, I think that, we often draw these things on a line, like, you know, on the left, we want this, on the right, this is this, but it's so much more like circular mm. than that. And it's like, if we're really just like getting so up in arms about, you know, the lack of investment on, um, you know, buying heaps and like, you know, spending a lot more on players, um, we can't be that up, that sort of up in arms about this whole ESL scenario. Yeah. Um, because there's, they're a lot closer at the end of the day, I think, than, than, you know, than, than how far they are apart. Yeah, totally. I, before we move on to the game, want to make one more point. And it's another analogy to the AFL. And I use this purposely. This is my last one for the podcast, I promise. I love this because I know as well, Barney, that you mentioned to me you want to do like a, an AFL West Coast podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would love it if just as we go through the week. I'm just like you sneaking just in more. Making it more and more yeah. West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> How good was, oh God, Kennedy this week, <laughs> darling. Anyway, so... um with uh, so when West Coast entered the AFL, they had to pay, I think it was about a million dollars to the VFL clubs, which the VFL clubs were failing at that point, um, and that propped them all up. 
But what it also meant was that starting out West Coast didn't have a huge amount of resources because they've just there was this huge outlay to even be part of the competition. So sorry, just to clarify, they paid a million dollars, which was then split between the I clubs? am not I'm not sure whether it was a million. It could have been more. I can't. It was in the millions. The figure it was this basically is, a payment that was just split between all the existing teams yeah. to let them in. Yeah. So it's just like grazing their palms to let them into the league. Exactly. Okay. Right. So let them in the league, but those clubs needed it so badly because they were almost all folding. So um, they did that. Uh, and also, if it was a million, I wonder how much a million dollars in 1989 would be worth now. Anyway, <laughs> um, they. Uh, they get into the league. They've spent all this money to even be a part of it. And they are on the other side of the country where there is not as much money, uh, you know, at that stage than on the East coast. And Trevor Nisbet, who is the, uh, like the chairman of the, the Eagles, uh, what he does is he acquires property, <laughs> uh, throughout the, it's now 2021 West coast have been the competition for, a while. Uh, and what's happened is West Coast are not only the biggest club, but they also are the richest club because they have all these assets. And so when a lot of clubs were in trouble during the uh, during the COVID times, West Coast were sitting pretty because they had all these assets that they were like, well, we could just sell these. And so I guess the reason why I say this is that Daniel Levy and Enoch acquiring property under the guise of Tottenham may not be as much of a uh, ridiculous strategy as you might think and, and it might not go against uh, their desire to be competitive as a football club because uh, there is evidence from, from West Coast that it has worked extremely well. Yeah. I think we need to do a deep dive podcast, like a special episode where it's just comparing <laughs> West Coast to, to, Spurs <laughs> to Spurs and seeing what we can learn. Yeah. But I, I think you're right. And it's like if – if we have like, you know, we've brought all this property to Spurs and we've mm. increased the value of the club, all that sort of stuff. If someone then buys the club, it's not like the increased value of property just disappears. Yeah. It's like that is still retained within that ownership of the club and of yep. the new so like it's stuff that is retained. It's value mm. that we keep having. Yeah. Um I think it's just I know we keep saying one last yeah, thing. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I've got no more. So yeah. This is my got, last thing. Yeah. Because I just had the thought of like like we, we made a comment earlier on when we started talking about this piece of like the protests and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we were saying, um, yeah, like, you know, if the protests don't re- are rudderless and don't really have a, you know, one sort of goal to head towards, they kind of feel flat, they feel weird, and they kind of get a little bit out of control in the sense because people are protesting for so many different things without bringing any sort of like solutions or ideas to the table and like getting rid of one person I don't think in this scenario, yeah. like if you've got a dictatorship, like in fine, yeah. like it's a different thing. Um, but in this scenario, just getting rid of one person for a whole range of different reasons that people have and people believe in separately, it, it's not really going to go. Um, it's just not going to go anywhere. And totally. I think that's where you get then infighting between the supporter base because you're all protesting about different things mm. and taking it to different extremes. And then you get like, you know, horrible chants about like wanting your chairman to die and all that sort yeah. of stuff as opposed to going to a protest and actually having it as an organized rally for one, like let's pick a goal and let's go for that. Exactly. So if it is about restructuring our club, getting a director of football in there, getting a better sort of scouting network happening, great. That's very easy to raise that as a unified thing. And like what we want here is we want the football side of things to be better run. Um, we want, you know, 
improve scouting. We want that director of football to oversee all those things. And then we can have someone like Libby, like, you know, focusing on the business side, which he's good at. Yeah, to- uh, well, totally. I mean, that is, if I had to uh, codify Levy's one sin, it's the fact that he doesn't uh, delegate control in the football department and that he's become more and more involved in transfers and footballing decisions when he shouldn't be. That should be by a director of football who is experienced in running a club of Tottenham size. Uh, and Well, running the footballing side of a, of a club of that yes, size. Yes, yes. Um, that's my major complaint with him. And if he was to uh, restructure and adjust that, I would be like, great, whatever. Cool. I don't, I don't mind. But it is fair to say, and people that are protesting this and have a problem with this, fair enough, I would say. Oh, look, to yeah. totally. And this is, again, not to, not to sort of get high in mind and say this is what we all should be protesting for because mm. this is the point that we believe in. Yeah. Um, but I think if we just decided as a fan base what's the main thing that sticks out here. Yeah. Um, that's something that we can actually then address mm-hmm. and get moving. And because getting a new owner in it isn't going to change. If we just say we want a new owner, that doesn't actually say what we want the new owner to do. No. Like it doesn't, and it doesn't magically mean that we're going to get a new owner, like you said before, who like suddenly just decides they want to spend billions into the club, throw that away. They don't care. And they give us everything we want. They give like all this fan representation on the board and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like if we're saying this is what we want, we can then measure it as like, okay, we've called for this now very clearly. Is this person able to deliver that to us? Yeah. Or are they just going to complete like keep ignoring that and, you know, and just not even address it and be like, no, no, no. I, you know, I've heard that you want a director football, screw you all not happening. Mm-hmm. Then at that stage we can go like, okay, is this person fit to lead when the majority of our fan base is calling for this specific thing? Yeah. Um, I just think if we were going down things in that way, we would have um, a much more, I guess, unified fan base on these protests um, and we wouldn't have just like, you know, hashtag any Enik out, hashtag Levy out, work its way into every conversation <laughs> yeah. because everyone has like their own opinion on it. So you can put up and say like, geez, oh, uh, Grealish is like had a really good game on the weekend. Someone's like, we should have got him. Enik out, Levy out. <laughs> And it's like, okay, yeah, no, yeah. sure. There's other players that we missed out on as well. Like, mm. okay, fine. Um, but it just seems like it's such a blanket argument used for any scenario now. And I think that's why it's also getting a little bit like tiring to hear it because it's like it feels like we're not coming together and it's driving us apart as a fan base. Yeah. And it's like you're either um, Enoch out or you're like a neutral who doesn't pipe up yeah, <laughs> so much. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that shouldn't be where we're drawing the line between ourselves as fans. No. We should be able to like actually just have like, you know, the specific issues and you not just have to be like it doesn't have to be this just bipartisan system. Like it feels like we're in American politics right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you've got the Democrats and the Republicans mm. and it's either Levy, <laughs> Levi out, Levy, Levy yeah. in. And we're just forced into these parties, mm. um, which has often been such a um, – you know, such a criticism of the American democratic system because it's like you just have to join one of these two parties yeah, and that's it. There's no mm. real way to – you can't kind of be like, you know, a, a slightly more liberal conservative or like, you know, a slightly – um you more, know, more conservative liberal. More conservative liberal, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you, it's like you have to really stick to these like party guns and it yeah. just feels like that's where we are as Spurs fans right now. Mm. Um Totally. Well, like, you know, in that system, 
where you have the choice between these two options to which you need to tie or tether your ideology about the entire world to and it needs to make sense. People make those decisions about who they want to vote for based on a huge variety of reasons through their own personal experience, you know, their family, uh, what they do, what they uh, are passionate about, blah, 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 blah. The thing about Spurs is we are all passionate about the same thing and that is seeing Tottenham Hotspur perform to a high level on the pitch and our own experience of watching that is enjoyable, I would say. That is pretty universal amongst uh, Tottenham Hotspur supporters. And so we don't have the obstacle in, a, in that kind of two-party system of being like, well, there's a lot of variance about people's experience. But we all do want the same thing. And so uh, unifying and, and deciding on what we actually want as opposed to just uh, being extremely reductive and blaming people for things and then getting angry at other people on the other side of the, the debate because they don't have the same view as you and they've got it wrong. It's like we all ultimately want the same thing. Let's just remember that. Like, uh, yeah. And I think that's a really valid point to make mm. that we are, you know, the goal that we want at the end is the same. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's like, you know, again, we're not trying to like have any criticism towards any passion that people have shown no. within speaking up on issues or like protests or any of those sort of things. So it's not – this is not a criticism of that. Mm. Um. But, yeah, it's just like – you know, it just feel it's just felt for so long that you know, as a fan base, we've just been disconnected mm. with each other, and like, there's just so many like opinions as well. Like, there's so much hatred for players like Lo Celso and Ndombele. Yeah, and then on the other are. side, people are going like, they are you know world class players, um, mm. and they're unique talents. Yeah, and, I mean personally, I'd sit more on that side. Yeah, <laughs> me too. But there's um, there's such a like, it's just it seems like every issue now there's such a because it's drawn out into these like party lines, whereas it's like you either think that Ndombele and Lacelso are generational talents, or you think the club has wasted money and therefore they are rubbish. Yeah, and there's no real kind of like in the middle, and we just get further into those mm. sort of arguments. And it's like on every single player, like Hoybier, like people like some people love him, others are like, what a waste of money. Yeah, like, some people have his name on the back of the sh the replica yeah. shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Such as myself. Uh, yeah, other people are like, oh, he's a terrible player, blah, blah, blah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's like we're always going to disagree on players. Uh, of course. Well, that's extent. part of the fun, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think the problem becomes is like when we're constantly just disagreeing on players based on taking it back to the general point we're trying to make about the club. Mm. So we're not just sp specifically talking about these players in relation to how they're playing on the field and actually saying, okay, you don't like Lo Celso, why? Yeah. What's that? And you're like, well, because he costs 50 mil. And you're like, no, no, no. But like, what is he? As a player, technically, what is he doing that you don't like? What's he doing that you like? Like, mm. what is that? And it's like, well, we're, we haven't bought wisely. And it's yeah. like, that's, that's, that's not mm. the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I just feel it's like that is kind of just getting in, in the way of any conversations that we seem to be having on any Spurs related topics that it's just always being reduced back to whether what side of the line you're on. Totally. Um, yeah. I, I can't remember it being this way. Yeah. Neither. This is very much new territory. Um, it feels that I, I've always felt, you know, even being down here in, in Australia, part of this sort of united group. And at the moment, 
I yeah, I definitely don't feel that. It feels very fractured. It reminds me uh, some of the sort of labeling of of people that disagree with you or whatever is uh, there's a there's a Twitter account called the uh, XG Philosophy, and uh, what I find highly ironic or ridiculous about the name of that account, they post you know XG measures for each game, is that XG isn't a philosophy; it is a metric that has been designed so that people can uh, feel, you know, like that it may lead to a better understanding about goals, chances created during a game. That is it. That's all it is. It's not a philosophy. You can look at it. You don't have to look at it. <laughs> but in the same sense, across lots of supporter bases, it's like, don't, don't bring, you know, that into it. It's ridiculous. It's like, just don't, if you don't, think that it's a valid metric that's fine yeah. <laughs> that's fine what's your you know like just have if, if you have an argument that's just based on the fact that you don't think that it's able to capture reality which is what all statistics are supposed to sort of do or create a model of then that's okay <laughs> like we don't need to it doesn't need to be part of um some kind of like manifesto or philosophy or agenda it can just exist and we can uh, we can either subscribe to it or we can't. There's no advantage or disadvantage as a fan if you want to look at XG or not. Like, yeah, totally. And like, you know, to, to, I guess to to bring that into another point, it's like if you have almost, in a sense, if you have say like Treore for Wolves and and Dombalay for Spurs, mm-hmm. both of them beat players. Yep, very well. Mm-hmm. Um. Traore does it purely through speed yeah. and straight, and they just can't catch him, and he just breezes past them because he's going so quickly. Anomaly doesn't have that speed. Mm, no. He twists and turns, beats a player, gets past them that way. Yeah. If you look on the stat sheet, like I'm sure if you look it up, like you know, Traore probably has more like stats where he's like beaten a player, but you could still look at the stats and go, okay, Anomaly's beaten a player, Traore's beaten a player. Which one do I prefer to see? What do I like more? So yeah. you can still have that opinion of go like, I like this more. I like this more. I love Traore because he's just so like just quick and ruthless and he just doesn't like mess around. Or I love the artistry of like Ndombele when he tries to like twist around a play and he does it in a way I've never seen before and I like that. So you can still like interpret the stats how you want in terms of your opinion about the player. Totally. But the stats just, they do offer something. Mm. And it's like, you know, American sports have been doing it for years and years and years <laughs> where they are have such a stats-based system, which I think kind of helps in a sense of like you can go, you know what, I don't like this player, but at least I can see that, you know, if it's, it might be a basketball player, like I don't really like that player, but they're getting 12 rebounds a game, which is huge. Mm. So I can at least appreciate that. Yeah. That that side of them, even if I don't like them and even if I would prefer for them to play for a different team. Mm. Whereas I think it's like in in football, it seems like when we're judging players, we're like we haven't really caught up to that yet. And I'm not saying we suddenly have to go through stats and say that, but it just is like, yeah, it's such sort of an opinionated thing. And it's like, why don't you like him? Well, I don't like him. What yeah. is that? Well, get round of here. Yeah. Um, as opposed to going like, well, you know what? He's supposed to be in there to break up the play, yet – I think he only gets, you know, he only gets one or two tackles mm. in yeah. um, a game and he's not really breaking up and like doing that. Or, you know, um, it seems like Harry Winks is the only player that Spurs fans have ever brought um, like in a metric to criticize to criticize <laughs> any players. Yeah. Everyone else is like opinion based. Yeah. But Harry Harry Winks 
Did I say Kane initially? I might no, you said, no, said, said Winks. You said Winks. Yeah. Um, Harry Winks is someone where it's like he doesn't play forward passes. He plays like 78% of his passes are sideways or backwards. Yeah. And that's the only Spurs player I've ever heard where people use like conveniently use a stat yeah. to actually give their opinion of him. Exactly. Well, it's just similar with like Harry Winks makes X amount of interceptions per game, which is poor. Harry Winks makes uh, uh, this this percentage of defensive pressure um, actions in in a game, which is poor. He's the, <laughs> he is the player to which Spurs fans apply statistics to, <laughs> yeah. which is, yeah, very... Um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. But also, Harry Winks, <laughs> you have terrible statistics. <laughs> uh, on that note, a uh, player who doesn't have terrible statistics, Harry Kane. Ah, yeah. There has been a lot of talk this week thanks to our darlings at Sty. At Sty? Sty Sports Sty. is better. Pigsty. Pigsty yeah. Sports is, is better than Sky Sports. I like where your subconscious was trying to get you. Yeah. To Thank you to my Freudian slip. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they when did, when did they run the story that Kane wanted to leave Spurs? It was 24 hours ago now? Yeah. Maybe even a bit less. Like, yeah. Because I, I remember, because it's, it's Tuesday night here and we're yep. recording and yeah, earlier today, like sort of Tuesday morning our time. Right. Okay, I, started, so I started seeing things mm-hmm. yep. about it that, yeah, Kane's handed in a transfer request. Kane wants to go. Kane yep. wants all this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, convenient timing that it's like as soon as Spurs are like ruled out of Champions League, Sky Sports like, well, Kane's handed it in. Yep, yep. The article that I read was also devoid of any, like let alone a source, has suggested it was devoid of any reference to any source whatsoever. Um, and that was sort of compounded by mouthpiece of the club, Ali Gold coming out and saying uh, Tottenham have absolutely no, the statement from the club, Tottenham have no interest in selling Harry Kane. There's a season to play, you know, blah, 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 blah. I mean, we just don't know. Like it, it, it could be that he wants to go. Yeah, like I, the narrative makes sense. Yeah, like I mean, if you're drawing drawing the dots, it makes sense. But I think until until uh, Ali Gold says, "Yeah, to my knowledge, Harry Kane has actually handed in a transfer request," mm. I don't buy it. Yeah, um, like I don't buy it at all. He's gonna he's gonna hear about it first. Um, whether he knows about it, maybe, and he's like kind of playing it coy because. You know, he gets a lot of club intel. Yeah. And maybe there are certain things that he's, you know, told not to leak. Yep. Um, <laughs> the tinfoil hats are the back tin- on. <laughs> uh, well, while the tinfoil hats are back on our heads, uh, Delhi, who has done uh, many great live streams in his time uh, as a Spurs player, m- mostly in the last six months, did his classic, you, ask him a question and you just say, touch your hat if. Um, and this latest one was touch your hat if Harry Kane's staying and he just immediately touches his hat. So <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so, also there's like the delay on those things. Yeah, like, yeah. So unless he's reading out the question and going, touch my hat if Harry Kane's yeah. staying. Ooh, yeah. Touch. Yeah. Then it's like, you know, it's it's so ridiculous to like yeah. I see those streams and go like, oh, he's staying. He's staying. Nice. Delhi confirms. Delhi yeah. confirms. Um. Yeah, I mean, and then we've also had The Athletic who um, 
initially under my uh, media nemesis, David Ornstein, uh, <laughs> put out an article a couple of weeks ago saying that Harry Kane was um, definitely going to leave and then they like site-wide half-redacted it by being like, we didn't say he was going to leave, we just said he could potentially leave. And it's like, yeah, great. So could every player at every club they could potentially leave. Like yeah. what are you even saying? Um, and their article today um, – which is headlined Spurs hierarchy unimpressed and defiant as desperate Harry Kane tries to leave. Now, the main point of this article, mm. in case you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, is basically them being <laughs> being like, told you so, we reported this two weeks ago, told you. There's sort of no new information in it. It's very much the same article as two weeks ago. Um, except with the naming of Manchester City as a club that inquired about him in 2020. Um, I, as a side note, perceived The Athletic as this sort of like bastion of journalistic credibility. However, after the uh, last Harry Kane article and then the article about Mourinho being abandoned by every player apart from um, Kane... And then we saw a multitude of posts from various players saying farewell Mourinho uh, and then <laughs> Joe Roden's brother posting being like, uh, he's not the only one that liked uh, Jose. I've started to have my doubts about their uh, credibility as a source um, and I hate David Ornstein. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it's one of those things that you, you feel like, I think why the athletic you go, you know, they're, they're a bastion of good reporting. Yeah. Um, it's probably because of their subscription model where you think you pay a fee for to subscribe to the whole site. Yep. So therefore they're not operating so much on clickbait. No. As other as compared to other sites. However, yep. they still are to an extent operating on that because what gets shared on Twitter and mm. um, social media is are links to their articles. So I think yeah, there definitely is an element of um, clickbaiting going on on any publication online. Um, which is just, you know, such an unfortunate reality that we're in. That Yeah. Um, and to Sky Sports as well, like they love this whole idea of Harry Kane leaving and, you know, that's such a big story for them to then exploit massively oh. on every program that they have talking about it. Mm. And, you know, Kane leaving, Kane leaving. Kane, oh, our understanding is our sources, it's like you can just make that up without any oh. retribution whatsoever. Um, it's like... I see the narrative as it, it, it makes sense in terms of like it makes sense why the that media outlets want to exploit it. It also makes sense like you could understand that if Kane did want to go mm. right now. Mm. Um, I'm not trying to say that he, he is going, but it's like if it did come out eventually that, you know, this is true and Kane does want to leave and he has handed in a transfer request, um, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But also like I think it's um, until you just have proof of that, like, just pipe down. Yeah. Like, yeah. Stop trying to fan the flames and like, mm. you know, also f almost force this transfer to go through. Yeah. Because again, it's like, all right, great. So the, you know, the greatest story you can hope for is for Harry Kane to leave Spurs, go to another English team and then win something with an, like it's, let's just let it go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like we have no idea what is going to eventuate until it does eventuate. And, you know, we've seen already that uh, I think Ali Gold said Kane would never want to um, cause disruption at the club and he wants to uh, play for another year um, at least before considering his future. 
we don't even know if that's true. Like that could be coming straight from the PR team at Spurs or Definitely. the transfer team at Spurs who are like trying to put the um, the clamps on Harry Kane leaving when he does want to leave. Um, do I want him to leave? No. If he does leave, you know, like I'll feel, uh, I'll feel very sad about it. But at the same time, like I'm an optimist. <laughs> I'm, I'm also like, oh, who are we going to get? Like what's, what's going to happen next? Um, but Steve Hitchin is in charge of our transfers. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I, I agree with you. You know, it's, it's like this thing that, you know, it feels like we're in this like, you know, um, relationship with Harry Kane that can never be broken and mm-hmm. it's such a romantic it's kind of like high school sweethearts stay yeah. together forever mm-hmm. and that sort of thing but you know Kane's been with us a long time um if he does want to leave if he to me it's all what he wants yeah right and I know you can go well he's under contract so it's not exactly that I get that too it's it's then what we want in terms of the value that we're selling for yeah but as soon as a player goes I want to leave I want to move on I'm always of the opinion of like all right if, are you sure about this? Like, is this just a knee-jerk reaction to something or yeah. has this been a long time coming? Mm-hmm. And if they're like, yeah, I've thought about it for quite a while now and I think it's I need to move, Yeah, they've already checked out. They're done. Yeah. So get rid of them as soon as you can. Um, I understand as well for, you know, someone like Kane, you need to make sure you get a lot of money in because mm. Kane goes, we need to bring in two top-class players yeah, we have to, to replace him. We have to bring in a top-class striker and a top-class uh, playmaker. <laughs> Definitely. But if you said to Spurs fans like, okay, Kane goes, we bring in Grealish. Yep. Plus Lukaku. Yeah. They're going to cost more than Harry Kane. Yeah. But like, let's just say, for example, yeah. um, a player I quite like is um, Weghorst from uh, Wolfsburg. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. Um, I like him too. So I would take like Grealish and Weghorst. Like, that's not bad. Mm. Um, but let's just say, argument's sake, if we do get two top level players, um, and again, Grealish is not an easy player to get from from Villa. Um, so I'm not trying to say this either in the in the argument of like, oh, Grealish would 100 percent want to come to Spurs from from where Villa are, and it, that's not an easy transfer by any by any means. But if that's what we could trade for now, and Kane does want to leave, then I think, cool, let's make it happen. Yep, let's let's do it. It's going to happen eventually. If Kane played for us for another five years, six years, seven years, and then retired, like he's going to have to leave at some stage. Mm. So we're not going to have, you know, Kane's not an immortal, um, you know, Avenger who's like had his body infused with, I don't know, what a, uh, a pair of uh, Nike football boots. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like his body infused with a pair of Nike. I, I was trying to think of like one of the metals that they use oh. that they like. Like a plutonium, Pluton- or, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that like yeah. gets put in their bones. Mm. Um, but I do love your writing of the story. That like, <laughs> it's like he's just got the magic boots. Yeah, yeah, he's got the, the like Mike boots. <laughs> yeah, um, like he's going to go at some stage. So eventually, we are going to have to, you know, part ways. Mm. Um, and if he wants to go, great. Um, you know, I wish him all the best. And I would like it would pain me a lot to see him play for. Man City or Man U, yeah. But I wouldn't hold it against him mm. if he ended up there. Mm. Um, it wouldn't. I wouldn't see him and then suddenly have this hatred towards an ex-player who's abandoned ship. Mm. Um, in that sense, like you know, Kane deserves to succeed, and if he if he feels that he has to do that elsewhere, then um, you know, best of luck to him. But you know, it would still be 
it would be nice to have him as long as we can. Yeah. I I mean, I'm of a similar view to you. If if a player and Spurs have made this mistake several times, if a player <laughs> comes to you and says, I want to leave, please, I would like a transfer, and you go, it just doesn't really work for us. It's like <laughs> that's you, like when that happens, you you're right. You have to be like, are you sure? Yes. Okay, cool. We're going to do this now then. And we're going to then make this situation work for us by then immediately going into uh, a mode to which we're going, okay, who, how much can we sell them for and who are we bringing in to replace them that can reshape this team and uh, increase the likelihood of success on the pitch? That's what it has to be. Uh, but repeatedly what we've done is when a big player said, I want to leave, we've got, no, don't go. Oh, you can't leave. Oh, you've got to stay actually. And, you know, and then it's just the fallout from it. Like even with Ericsson, it's just like mm. sell him, just sell him. Um, well, I think with Ericsson on that point, yeah, it's it's almost like the issue with that whole scenario was the fact that Ericsson announced it first. Yeah. Externally as this big thing. Yep. And then... I also understand that as well, that that completely reduces the club's bargaining power. Oh, it kills it. To do anything. Yeah. And then the club's going to be like, hang on, this player's worth this much. Mm. We need to hold out and retain some sort of value. Yeah. We're not going to get strong-armed out of a price for a player. Um, and you have someone like Kane who's worth, you know, on a good day, 120, 150 million pounds yeah. or so. Um, on a bad day, on a COVID economic climate. Yeah. Um, you know, like teams don't really have that money mm. unless they are someone like a city who can just throw away and they don't care. Yeah. The, the financial client doesn't really affect them as much. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be tough to like, there's there's literally less than a handful of teams who can afford him um, and can pay the rate that Spurs want. Mm. Whether teams turn around and go, we're going to do a player exchange as part of that offer. However, it's like, that seems like something that's mentioned on, you know, on Football Manager and that. Yeah. But how often does it ever happen that never. you get a, a player exchange as part of a deal? Like, <laughs> oh, with Walker Peters? Yeah. Yeah. That so, actually wasn't technically, but was kind of. But sort of. Yeah. But like it barely ever goes through as like a viable option. Yeah. Because you've got to have that that other team has to have a player that they don't want, mm. that we coincidentally do want. mm um, and I think the other thing I remember is when I think we sold Berbatov to, um, Man U and they're like, yeah, in return, we're going to give you like 30, I think it was 30.75, um, million. Uh, and you also get Fraser Campbell on loan <laughs> for a year. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, that's right. We'll take it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, it's so difficult for these transfers to go through. So mm. yeah, even if he does want to go, I know it sounds like it's contradicting what we're saying before, but I mean. A lot of things have to fall into place for this transfer to yeah. go through this summer. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that is true. But also, I guess from a Spurs point of view, I think that the desire, the not desire, the drive to sell him needs to be high if he wants to go. Yeah. Like that just needs to happen. And also, please, 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 can we not, if there's any kind of player swap involved, one, can we not, swap with City for Jesus and two, can we especially not swap with United for Martial? That would just be embarrassing if we were to do either of those things. Um, I, I don't know about you, Dan, but when I imagine Kane playing for, I've uh, closed my eyes for this, um, Manchester City, 
I just feel like there's just it's just empty. It's like uh. when I imagine him playing for United, I feel a hot anger <laughs> about it, and I don't know which one I prefer because the emptiness is just kind of sad. Whether the the anger towards him playing for Man U is at least more active, and I still appreciate him as what you know as the play that he's been at Spurs, but it feels like I'm still connected to him by my anger <laughs> versus nothing at Man City where it's just like, great, cool, you've gone to the money club, awesome, man. Well, I think it, it maybe ties into what we were talking about earlier that mm. Man City, it's like the asshole guy who's honest about it. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we buy titles, fight. Like, yeah. <laughs> we don't care about financial fair play. Who cares? We're yeah. fine. Whereas Man U are still like, you know, the bullies from – you know, the last 20, 30 years yeah. who aren't like, no, we're, no, we're like a, we have it rough. Yeah. We've got it real rough as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, if it's out of those two teams, I think I would almost prefer him to go to city yeah, because then it's like, well, here we go. Money's run football. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. Fine. That's what happened. He was going to go to city eventually. That's uh-huh. fine. So he goes there, wins a title uh-huh. and you're like, well, so what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. He Good gets on what he you. wants and yeah. Yeah. It feels similar to like if you went to PSG. Oh, you oh you won the French league there. Oh, awesome, great, cool, well done. To be fair, if he could go to PSG, I'm frothing for that transfer compared to any English team. Oh, absolutely, that would be incredible if he went yeah. to PSG. Yeah, and then uh, we can have Mbappe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they'll probably still just get like some you know 18 year old youth player. Yeah, it's unproven. Yeah, or we'll finally get um, what's his name? Uh, Rabio. You know that oh, yeah. we were linked with like <laughs> ages ago. They were like, well, you can have him now. It's like, oh, God. Is it here at Juventus now? Is he? I think he moved to Juventus eventually. Okay. Well, they'll, they'll sell us like that. They'll be like, we, this is a pass to which you may have. And then we'll take that, grab you and we'll take that to Juventus. And they'll be like, what? Imagine that if we just go, yeah, we'll give you Kane, but we yeah. want Rabio. And <laughs> yeah. like, we don't have him anymore. Yeah. Get him back. Yeah. And sell him to us. That's the only way you're getting Kane. Oh. And then there just has to be this stupid transfer trail. Yeah. Like, just deal with Juventus like directly. Mm. Nope. No, we can't. We, we, we can't. We pissed them off once before yeah. on a transfer. <laughs> yeah. They weren't happy about the whole yeah. Dubail thing. So we can't. Yeah. You need to go do that for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, if, if he was to go to Chelsea, I, I don't know how I would continue to exist. It w- I would be too angry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, it feels something as well like Chelsea, if Chelsea did stump up the cash, if you're Kane and you're feeling pretty settled, yeah. you know, young family, three kids, I think, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to move house. Nope. You don't have to change anything like that. Um, you'd think that on some level he's has some loyalty to Spurs not to go to a rival like that. But then again, what if Chelsea are the only team that really come through and go, we'll pay the money? Yeah. We'll give you the money. We'll give you like, you know, 20 million off and you can have Tammy Abraham. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, oh. To be fair, though, I would prefer Tammy Abraham to Martial. Yeah. I may- think. Maybe. I think. Um, Martial, in my opinion, is trash. <laughs> so, like, I, I guess, yeah, I would take Abraham. Um, not, not that I want this transfer to go through, but no, it's like yeah. you feel like, I don't know. Yeah, Chelsea, it would make sense for Kane. Mm. Um, but, yeah. 
Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows what's going to happen? I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess uh, stay tuned. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what eventuates. Um, until Kane says something, uh, or there is something reported by an extremely reputable, repu- reputable source. There we go. Mm. Uh, BBC or the Guardian. I would just hang tight and yeah. see what see what comes out. I think look, it could be a lot of our people. There's we've also got the new manager coming in who we don't know who that is yet. Yep. And it feels like the longer that goes on, probably the longer Kane's also, you know, um has this feeling of like I'm not really convinced what's happening here. Yep. Um so look, there's so much to sort out. Yeah. Um in the next month or so, yep. especially cuz there's then there's the Euros which is going to take everyone's focus. Yeah. Um so it's in like if you step back and try and look at it neutrally, it's like a bit of an exciting time in the sense because you're like, wow, there could be so many changes. Yeah. Um, it's like a TV show. It's a new season. It's like, oh, who's different? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what new cast members are we going to see? Yeah. Um, are they going to kill off the the hero that's mm. been there the whole time? <laughs> um, so I'm not I'm not personally in that position, but <laughs> I think it's at the end of the day, whatever happens, you know, we'll be okay. Yeah. Um, but we've just got to ride it out. Exactly. I, w- I wish I was in that. Like when um, Hazard got sold to Real Madrid from Chelsea, I was very much like, oh, what's going to happen? Where's he going? Oh, they're selling him to Real Madrid. Oh, do Real Madrid really want to pay that much money for, you know, like it was, it was great. But yeah, from, uh, from our perspective, it's just sad. It's just sad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> definitely. Hurts. Yeah. Um, Should we um, jump back into the Wolves yeah. game that we've neglected for the whole, the whole pod? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's always interesting when we record because we're like, you know what? We've got the game. We'll focus on that and then yep. we'll see what else yeah, happens. Comes up. What, what did you say at the start? It was like any additional news or alternative yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and that's all we've done. And then all we've done yeah. is that yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, back on the Wolves game. Um, overall, good result. Yeah. Uh, we played quite well. Yeah. I can't even remember what we said about the game oh, now. At I the mean, start. yeah, I, I, I think we said that uh, Wolves played pretty poorly and we didn't want to get too excited. Well, I said I didn't want to get too excited about the result because I got excited about Sheffield and then we got belted the next week by Leeds. Um, I felt very nervous about this game because of the results we've had against Wolves sort of over the last two years or, you know, year. Um, So it was good to see us just beat them um, and comfortably beat them. It could have been more. I thought Delhi was awesome. I was so pleased to see him play in that way. Son was quite again. Kane was fine. Bale was fine. Gio was was good. Um, I actually quite liked Gio's game. Yeah. I thought especially after, you know, he'd gotten so much criticism for the Leeds oh, game, yeah. which I also think was overblown. I don't think it was that yeah, bad. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, ridiculous. So I think that in this game he actually he did pretty well. Like there were a couple of times where he pressed really well, won the ball back. Yeah. I think even for one of the goals he did that too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think him playing through to Ali, that was nice. And mm. like like I think Gio actually had a really looked really nice and comfortable in there. Also, possibly due to the fact that Hoybier had a really good game. Yeah. And looked a lot more lively than yeah. he's he's looked for a while. Yep. It looks um, like he's been given that sweet life juice. He's yeah. come back. Um, like the Rolling Stones on hormones. Yeah. That's where <laughs> he's back. Um, he had a great game. I mean, obviously, you know, with the assist and the goal. Um, watching the goal back and seeing Bale shoot and then Hoybier make that run through the center of the box unmarked. Watching it, it, like it's like if that doesn't end up in a goal, I'm like Bale, you have to pass to him there. Like yeah. I know he's not a great shot, 
but luckily, you know, rebounds and he scores anyway. But um, yeah, and I- it, it was great. And like I think we we mentioned it earlier, but like you know, we hit the post three times. One as well would have been a really nice assist from uh, Delhi Delhi playing Kane through mm. as well. So I think on your point of like Delhi was like it was really fun to watch Delhi yeah play. And I think now. Like, you know, there's been times early in the season when we've been critical of how he's come on and played and that sort of thing. But um, when I think if you're going to do that, when a player starts playing quite well, you've got to acknowledge that. And, yeah. and he looked like he had, um, yeah, he's found like a bit more life again. Mm. Um, and again, this Wolves team is not a, not a great team in their current form or anything. But it's nice, I guess, to see when, especially when Delhi has, you know, La Celso and Hoybier playing well behind him. Um it's nice to see him. And also, so I think with Tanganga coming in and then Reguillon, I think, played a lot better this game as well. Yeah. Like you see that once we're a little bit more solid defensively, um, both at the back and in defensive midfield, then there's that f- extra freedom for someone like Delhi to to be playing and attacking and um, taking those risks, like, you know, going for those nutmegs, like going for, um, you know, adding a bit of spark, a bit of that yeah. unpredictability. Um to go through. Totally. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you <laughs> with yeah. this game. Um, with Lacelso, I find it interesting that a lot of criticism leveled at our players this year has been that they've lacked desire. They've lacked that drive. And I never watch him and think, oh, he, he doesn't care or he's not trying. Definitely. He, he's got like the drive of Lucas yet the skill to back up, you know, his desire to win the ball. Um, he is a fantastic player and we all need to just get behind, get behind him because he's really good. Well, uh, I think it's all the start of the last season. Mm. There was a stretch where he was playing really, really well. Oh, he carried the whole team on his back. Yeah. yeah. And it's just easy to forget that in mm. the, um, in the you know, just over the course of the last year. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, if he can stay fit, mm. um, you know, he showed he can actually – really start, you know, influencing our games a bit more. Um, he's got that energy. Yeah. He does get tackles in. He yeah. does sometimes get some of those little ratty fouls, oh, yeah. which we need. Yeah. Um, I think one of the videos you showed, you sent me ages ago was against like maybe Everton and it was just like just complete shithousery from Lo Celso <laughs> yeah. Yeah. with all those little nibbling challenges and, mm. and those sort of things. So, yeah, there's definitely still a player in there. There's obviously yep. these question marks of whether like, you know, Lo Celso, Hoybier and, and Dombele, how do you get them into the same team yep. do we need a new manager who that's their challenge to work out yeah um but i think that you know even if that happens they're not going to play together every week mm. um but it would be nice to see to find out a system which allows us to play um you know those three in there and then having said that delhi's been playing well too so yeah yeah that's very true um should we get on to our votes yeah the votes for the 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 world famous the world spursy medal yep um uh, yeah um, I'll go first if you if you like. So <laughs> you seem very keen to be giving it. Oh, yep, yep. Barney, uh, please. Uh, what are your votes for the a bit Spursy medal against Wolves? Okay, so I give three votes to uh, Hoybier because of his solid play and the goal and the assist, um, and the fact that he should have been man of the match, and he was on Spurs Twitter that the fans voted uh, Sky. You rats. Um, <laughs> uh, two votes I've given to Ali. Uh, it could have very easily gone to Geo, um, but it was so exciting to see Ali play in the way that he did, that he got the two. And then uh, 
One vote I have given to Geo um, because, well, he had a great game and I need to be leading my Geo renaissance. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I've given 0.5, which I know is meant to be the, you know, sort of like encouragement fan award, but I haven't voted for Kane yet. So I've just given it to him. Because <laughs> the goal was, yeah. well, the goal was really well taken. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's like with Aguero when he has just like 20 goal season, season after 20 goal season, eventually it's like, oh, great. Another 20 goal season. But, you know, it is actually a fantastic achievement and Kane's goal was great. So, yeah. Definitely. So to recap, you've gone three votes, Hoybier. Yep. Two votes, Ali. Ali, one vote, Geo. Geo and Encouragement Award, half a vote for Hurricane. For Hurricane, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> great, yeah. Um, awesome. Is that all the votes? That's it. Yeah, great. Um, all right, my votes. Okay, three votes. Mm-hmm. Pierre Emil Hoybier. Excellent. Same reasons. Had a really good game. Looks like this is the Pierre that we're getting at the start of the season. Yep. Uh, looks a bit more rested. Playing with that energy. Mm-hmm. He was everywhere. Yep. Um, and for him to end up with an assist and a goal, yeah, it's great. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's such. Um, it's if we get, you know, Hoybier playing like this, even fifty percent of the time, yeah, that's a really solid player. That we really have solid player. Um, yeah. So three votes for Hoybier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've given two votes to Kane. Yep. Because I thought, you know, he took that goal so well, mm-hmm. and it's like he had the defenders were catching up to him, but he was just too good. Yeah. Like and that's just that class that he has, yep. where he just sits them down and just just finishes it. And it's yeah. like you just knew that he was going to put it away. Yeah, it was and, awesome, and that was great. And for also um, part of those two points as well for hitting the post twice. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, so and I think I felt guilty too because I hadn't voted for him previously in the last <laughs> yeah, couple of games. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've given one vote to Delhi. Yep. So I think again, it's like um, you know, like you're saying, you're leading the list. Uh, Geo, Geo Sons? Geo Sons is the much Geo-sons? better. Geo Sons. I think that's yeah. what you said, Geo Sons. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I did, but I love it. Okay. I, I did, yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of the Delhi Sons, I think he's he's just looking good. He's yep. looking really nice in there. Um, and, yeah, could have had another assist and had just had a, I don't know, just thought he was generally pretty good. Um, he's just, you know, floating around really nicely and he's looking he's looking like he's enjoying himself. Great, yeah. Um I'm giving out two encouragement awards. Oh. Um, so the first encouragement award is uh, Lo Celso. Great. Because I, th- I think like also I kind of feel bad for not getting him in the 3-2-1. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I thought he had a good game and he yep. sold him there. I gave half a point to Tanganga. Great. Yeah, be- fair. Because yep. I kind of well, – a part of me thought this is maybe the only time we're going to be able to give a vote to Tanganga. Mm. But also he came in. He hasn't been playing regularly and I thought he played really well. I agree. Um, I also have a negative vote. Yes. <laughs> I am uh, giving a negative one yes. vote to Gary Neville. Nice. Nice. Um, for like it could easily be a negative three. Yeah. But I've said it as a negative one and that's okay. Mm, yeah. Um, a negative one for Gary Neville for an absolutely ridiculously stupid man of the match award. Oh, painful. Painful. Uh, so that they're, they're my votes for, for yeah. the Wolves game. I almost wanted to give negative votes to Eric Dyer because he still looked terrible. Like he still got turned a bunch of times and blah, blah, blah. But then I was like, is that just – then it's just like bullying by this point. <laughs> um, and he still plays for Spurs, so um, I hold off. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But noted though. Noted. Noted, noted I thought about it. You thought about it and you, you could have wielded your power yeah. and, and done that. So yeah. it's like shots fired. 
Yeah, shots fired, but they missed. I, but I chose, like, if I had wanted to hit him square in the, between the eyes with my gun, <laughs> no, uh, with my um, paintball gun, I could have. Um, so uh, those are the votes of the Abitsbursi medal. Great. Um, we now, eventually we'll figure out a total. I, d- I don't know who's coming what at what point. We've got a total. Uh, don't have it up right now. Yeah. <laughs> but we cool. do have a, t- a total. Yeah. Uh, maybe next Next, oh, well, actually, the next time we record is probably going to be after Leicester. Yeah. So it'll be after the season. So yeah. we'll give our votes for the Villa game and the Leicester mm. game, and then we'll be able to announce the Bitsbursey winner, Bitsbursey winner and, on that show. And send that player a gift. A gift. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure what it will be. It'll be something. We'll it'll something be something out. weird and, and a bit uncomfortable for them to unwrap if, yeah. they, <laughs> if it makes it through security. <laughs> Um, now the next game is against Villa. It's at 3am on Thursday morning. What are your predictions for that game? Uh, Villa playing for nothing. Yep. Um, right now. So we, come on off the back of this Wolves performance. Yep. Come on boys. Like, like take this into the next game Mm. and let's get the result against Villa. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I'm, I'm getting a bit excited, but. I'm going to say a 3-0. Great. That's great. That's what I was going to say. Now I can't say it. Um, uh, because the laws dictate that yeah. only one of us can choose that score. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I'm going to go, fine. I'm going to go 3-0 as well. That's what I think is going to happen. Uh, but what about Leicester? T- See, my theory is that the 3-0 against Villa is perfect because uh, it will drum up the hype around the Leicester game, mm. which makes it the perfect opportunity for something really cooked to happen or for us to have a big injury, like the bus crashes on the way. Like who knows? Mm. Um, what's your prediction? Well, so I was, I was just going to say um, this just made me think that the Villa game, I think that's where we get to see next season's home kit. Yes. Worn. Yep. So it would be nice to start that off with a win. Yes. Um, also, we've got fans back in the stadium. Yeah. And I understand as well that people are putting pressure on others to go and protest, but I would say just please for that game, can we get behind the team? Yeah. And can we, you know, the first time a lot of fans have been back in the stadium. Um, we've seen on Twitter like some fans are criticizing others for just wanting to go to that game and yeah. paying the, the, the high ticket prices and going that. But if you've had a really rough year and you've missed going to football so much and you, you've you're paying that money to go to the game. We should support them for doing that. Yeah. Um, they don't have to go there and speak up if they don't want to. Yeah. Um, but just go and can we just get behind the team to some extent yeah. for this game and and not turn it into sort of something else? Yeah, on um, that, like I, I would like to say that I think the fact that the club have made a decision to charge $60 pounds $60 a ticket for the game is revolting and it is just so deaf to other people's experiences of the pandemic and and the financial environment that's out there. However, if, like you said, Dan, someone decides that they want to go to the game because they've really missed football and they've had a really tough time and this will make them feel better, they are not a terrible person for paying the money. That's their choice, right, to do that. Uh, And if they want to go and enjoy it, that's fine. You don't need to chastise people for that. And I agree with you as well. Yeah. I'm not in support of the ticket prices. Yeah. And I think that's a separate issue that, you know, could yeah. be raised. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, you know, and, and say, hey, what's going on here? This is act- this is not good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the main thing to me is that if a fan wants to go and do that, 
Yeah. That's fine. We don't need to call them enablers. Nope. We don't need to like chastise them for that. You know, you yep. might just have a fan that just wants to go and take their kid to a football game and, yep. you know, enjoy being out and about again and, you know, enjoy starting to get back to some sort of normality yep. of life and that's fine. What What is the perfect example of when we are chastising people for uh, buying tickets for the game is lateral violence where we're all fans on the same level and then we start fighting each other as opposed to unifying together and challenging what's happening from the top. So do not participate in lateral <laughs> violence is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, and it's, I mean, it's the same point we were talking about before. Yeah. It's like, let's not find this as another way for us fans to argue with each other. Exactly. And criticize that. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that, you know, the Villa game should be pretty comfortable. Yep. Uh, Leicester, it probably depends on where they're... I'm pretty sure we can't catch them, but I think Liverpool still can catch them. Um, let me just see. I've got the table up now. So um, Liverpool have played 36 games. They're on 63 points and Leicester on 66. Okay. So it's really, I think, going to depend then how, um, you know, Liverpool and Leicester's game, midweek mm. game goes. Yep. As to then what that turns our game into against them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it could either be a let's not miss out on the Champions League for the second season running Brendan Rodgers implosion resistance game yep. or they're in and it doesn't matter. Um, and I think even it probably doesn't, it, it's not a case of it not mattering because they'll still want to finish above Chelsea. Yes. Um, but that, that like, that's a less of a motivation than if they potentially miss out on Champions League. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think it's probably going to be a tough one against Leicester. So we basically, if we, I don't think we can. We need a ridiculous amount of things to go right for us to finish fourth. However, it would be so unbelievably funny if Chelsea were to uh, lose the FA Cup final, not finish in the top four, and lose the Champions League final. Oh, that'd be amazing. Oh, wow. Like, it's just, for, yeah, for us to do this, I think we need Liverpool and Chelsea to not win any games. Yeah. Basically. Which, uh, um. Yeah. So, look, I think I think against Leicester it could be like we've had big results against Leicester on the last game of the season in the past. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm probably going to go for like a two-two draw. Yeah. In that one. Uh huh. Um, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna go with a. Tessie, uh, oh, I wanted to go for a two-two. Draw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say um, it's gonna be four-two to us. Great. Yeah. I mean, I love that. Yeah. Yep. That's what I'm going to say. They're going to do the classic Brendan Rodgers uh, imploding star. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I guess next week then, next episode, if we lose the Villa game, no, sorry, if we if we don't win the Villa game 3-0, yep. we both have to do a song. Great. Okay. And then the Leicester game, now we've got multiple oh, bets going. So, so many bets going. I think that it sounds like we're both just going to have to do the songs. For yeah. The- yeah. What happened after last week? What were our predictions? I can't remember. Uh, I predicted, I think, 3-0. Ooh, what did I predict? 2-0. 2-0, but I was the one who took the bet. Ah. So technically you can collect if you would like to collect. I would like to collect. To end, a bit spursy. For the third week in a row, we have a song, but this time sung by Dan. What would you like this song to be dedicated to? I, I want this song to be dedicated to... Eddie and Kapoor. 
Okay. Etienne Capu, where are you? Great. Etienne Capu, where are you? You were at Spurs, then you went to Watford. Now I don't know where you are. I thought you were decent at passing the ball, but not great. I thought you were decent at putting in a tackle, but not great. I thought you were a decent player overall, but not great. Wow, that was awesome. I loved it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I perfectly summed up the experience of Eddie and Kapu. Um, look, on that note, I've been Barney. I've been Dan. This has been a bit spursy. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this uh, pretty long episode now. <laughs> um, and we will see you uh, after the conclusion of the season, probably. Um, so please enjoy watching the team. Come on, you Spurs. You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at abitspursy.com and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.